Well, this morning we have the opportunity for Isaac to share the scriptures with us. Um, it is a joy and a privilege to be in a church like this, where there are so many gifted men who can teach and preach the scriptures. Uh, even now, right now, uh, Andy Manwiller is preaching at Berean Baptist in Marion, Ohio. So I'll be praying for him as well as we, uh, as we prepare our hearts for the teaching of the scripture. But, but Isaac has preached uh, several times throughout this year in Xenia, Ohio, in Springfield, Ohio, and other places too, I'm sure. He preached Psalm 23 a few weeks ago and also Psalm 100. So we're going to ask him to, to do the Psalm 100 to kind of close out the year. Uh, I think it's, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Is that the one? So I think it's fitting for us to remember the significance of praising the Lord and thanking him for, for what he has done as we come to a conclusion of the year. But this morning, Psalm 23, remembering the Lord is our shepherd that we don't have to want. So let me, uh, let me pray for us as we prepare our hearts to hear the word of God being shared this morning. Lord, I'm reminded in the end of this psalm, Psalm 23, says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, we know that that word for mercy is the word steadfast love. Your loyal, dependable, covenant love chases after us. And God, we see this beautiful picture of your love for us by sending your Son we're reminded of 1 John chapter 4, which says, Beloved, let us love for one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his own Son into the world so that we might live through him. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And so, Lord, this morning you are our shepherd because of the love you have poured out on us through your Son, Jesus. We can enjoy the steadfast love and mercy and being drawn in to salvation because of the love that you extended through Jesus. God, I pray this morning as Isaac will teach us from your word about this great shepherd. Father, I pray that you would stitch our hearts to yourself. Help us to follow after you as sheep should and to trust in you as that shepherd who leads by green pastures and still waters. And even through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, may we trust in you through the darkest times, through the hardest times, as we learn to depend on our dear shepherd. Lord, may we also commend to others this great shepherd, especially through this holiday season. Lord, those who are struggling and hurting, who do not know you as their Savior, God, I pray that we would capitalize on these moments, these opportunities, to testify to the wonder of your kindness and your steadfast love and mercy. God, I pray your spirit would fill and strengthen Isaac, as he shares the scripture with us this morning, God, I pray that our hearts would be tender and receptive to the message of the word. Your Holy Spirit would convict us tenderly and draw us closer to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, it's wonderful, as Pastor Andrew mentioned, to have the opportunity to uh, visit other churches in the area and preach, but it's always a, a little bittersweet because it means I won't be here with you, with Maranatha. And so it's, it's really special today uh, to be able to be here and open up God's Word in and, and Psalm 23 together. Uh, I, want, I want you to think about a, a time in your life when it's been really dark and you're trying to figure out where to go. Growing up, my dad would take my brothers and me backpacking each fall. And on these trips, uh, I was really motivated to get to our destination. Because if we wouldn't reach our destination before it got dark, uh, we would still have to get there in the dark. And as you can imagine, it's hard to find your way in the woods during the day when it's light out. But it's a lot harder at night when you can barely see. Or think about being in a dark room with me, trying to find your way, fumble your way around a dark room. Uh, Maybe even this auditorium. Have you ever been in this auditorium at at night, all the lights are off? Uh, I've learned if you want to get from there uh, over here somewhere, the first step is to go to the corner and turn on the lights. Otherwise, you're probably not going to be very successful. You know, as Christians, we, we talk a lot about following Jesus, of living this life that, that pleases Jesus. And if we are Christians, all of us would say we, we want to do that. But what does that look like in our daily lives? How do we live life in a way that pleases God? This is a, a question that we keep having to ask ourselves over and over again. And one of the things I love about the Psalms is that it gives us a simple answer. If we go back to the beginning of of the book of Psalms, we see Psalm 1 and 2 kind of giving us an introduction, and it really answers this question for us. Psalm 1 tells us about this blessed person who listens to God's teaching through his word. The blessed person delights in God's law, meditating on it day and night. And then Psalm 2 describes this blessed person as as someone who takes refuge in God's Son, someone who submits to God's Son. And that's a really simple way for us to answer that question. How do we please God in our daily lives? We please Him by listening to His teaching and His Word and trusting, depending on His Son in the various situations that we walk through, the various decisions that we make. See, life is a little bit like this auditorium. We wish the lights were on. We wish we could see everything. We could see where everything is, everything that's going on at the moment. But that's not the case. Unless we listen to God and and submit to his son, we're like someone who is blind, fumbling our way around in the darkness, trying to figure out where to go. I think of Psalm 119, verse 105, a familiar verse to to a lot of us, which conveys this idea. It tells us that your word, Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But think about the the lamp, the light that the psalmist is is talking about here. The picture isn't that the whole room is, is lit up. It's not even the kind of lamp or light that we might have nowadays where it's this really high powered, strong beam flashlight. Uh, But have you ever seen one of those old-fashioned oil lamps? That's 
a lot more of the picture that's, that's going on here. If, if you have one of these oil lamps, you're, you can maybe see a foot, maybe just a few inches ahead of you. And so as you're using this lamp, you're, you're moving around trying to see where is the way, what, which way do I go? And you never get to the point where you can just discard the lamp and you don't need it anymore. You need to keep using the lamp every step of the way. And if we're trying to please God, that's how it is with his word. We never get to the point where we can throw his word aside, stop depending on it, and move on with our lives. But we go back to his word each and every day, like Psalm 1 reminds us. But Psalm 2 reminds us that we're also looking to a person. And that's what we get to talk about today. Because as we look at this really familiar psalm, we're going to be reminded that we follow a person. Psalm 23 describes this relationship between a shepherd and sheep. God's people throughout the Bible are so often described as sheep. Have you ever thought about why God compares us to sheep? What, what the biblical authors are trying to communicate? I was looking up some things. I, I don't know a whole lot about sheep, um, but I was looking up some, some interesting facts and just thought I'd, I'd share a few that, that might help us uh, grasp this idea. Uh, one thing I found is that sheep need community. They need the community of other sheep. Sheep also get distracted. Does that sound like uh, anybody? Am I the only one here? Uh, sheep get distracted. One interesting thing about sheep, too, is that they will actually follow other sheep off cliffs. They'll walk off cliffs together. Um, now, maybe, I don't know, teenagers, have your parents ever, you know, told you or reasoned with you? My parents kind of jokingly did this, you know, telling me, if your friends jumped off the Empire State Building or if your friends jumped off a cliff, you wouldn't follow them, right? Apparently, sheep actually would do that. Uh, but... All of these facts about sheep really just show us sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. If we were going to summarize what the Bible is, is trying to get at when it calls us sheep, I think the word dependency, this idea of dependency, really helps us understand what the Bible is telling us about us. Sheep are dependent on their shepherd. That same dependency that you would need on an oil lamp as you're trying to navigate through a dark room, that is the kind of dependency that we need to have on Jesus, our shepherd. Is that how you function in your daily life? Do you depend on Jesus in that way? In the countless decisions that you make each day, and all the various circumstances that you walk through, is that how we depend on Jesus? My prayer is that God would use this time that his spirit would shape our hearts to grow in this area. And so let's listen to what he has to say to us in Psalm 23. Join me as we read this passage together. Psalm 23, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy or steadfast love shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our passage for today, and and as we look at this passage together, our, our main theme, our main idea for our time together is that as the good shepherd, the Lord shows his steadfast love to his sheep by being with them and by leading them to fulfill his purposes for them. The Lord shows his steadfast love to his sheep by being with them and leading them to fulfill his purposes for them. And where we'll ultimately end up is that God's greatest purpose is to make us look like Christ. And our shepherd will so often lead us through challenging situations to do that. And we're going to get a glimpse of that in Psalm 23, We're going to see how this points us forward to the Messiah, how Jesus fulfills that, and how if we are going to follow Jesus, our shepherd, we are going to follow him into sacrifice and suffering. And so, my brothers and sisters, do you want to please God? Do you want to allow him to fully accomplish his purposes for you? Then we need to see, we need to be reminded of his steadfast love for us. We need to be confident of his presence with us. That will empower and embolden us to fully submit to him and his purposes for us, even when that leads us through a very difficult path. But see, if that is our desire for God to accomplish his purposes in us, then our desire is aligned with him, and we can depend on him to lead us and guide us into that. And so as we jump into Psalm 23, I first want to take a few minutes to review some of what we've seen uh, these last few weeks in Psalm 21, 22, and now 23, and how there's this building, this, this theme of dependence. We see in, in the previous Psalms that David, that the king, needs to rely on the Lord. So just listen to a few of these verses that I've pulled out that that really emphasize this theme. In Psalm 20, verse 1, uh, we read, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Verse 9, we we read this plea, O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Psalm 21, verse 1, O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices, and in your salvation how greatly he exalts. Verses 4 through 7, he asked life of you. You gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him, for you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence, for the king trusts or hopes in the Lord. And through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. And then last week, we looked at Psalm 22, verse 1 David writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? 
Verse 4, and you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. Verses 7 and 8, all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Verse 11, be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help me. And even we saw in the second half of the psalm, there's this shift to one of hope. We see this this theme again and again of of David needing to rely on the Lord. And then we move now into Psalm 23, and we have this wonderful passage about God's presence and his shepherding care in David's life and in the lives of his people. The first thing we see is that presence. Our, Our first point out of this passage is that the shepherd is with his sheep. Think back to that that verse in Psalm 22 that we looked at last week. Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And here we see the answer right in the middle of our passage. David says, you are with me. If we looked back at the Hebrew and you count up, there are actually the same number of words before that phrase as there are after this phrase. Just a way to highlight, this is the central theme of this passage. You, God, are with me. We can look at the beginning and the end, and we see more evidence of God's presence, his care. The Lord is my shepherd, in verse 1. Verse 6, Surely goodness and steadfast love shall follow me all, a day, all of the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord with the Lord forever. God's presence is central. The shepherd is with his sheep. And the first implication we see is, is right there in verses 1 and 2. We see that the shepherd provides for his sheep. The shepherd provides for his sheep. David's first words are, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, he's not primarily communicating the absence of desire, but he's telling his readers that he lacks no good provision. The idea is that the shepherd provides for his sheep. Some of you might have the NIV translation that that really highlights this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I don't know much about sheep, but I know they need to be provided for. They need food. They need water. And, and that is what David describes here. He describes how, how the Lord brings him, makes him lie down in green pastures. It's probably hard for us to imagine this right now. I, when I drove in this morning, it, it was raining very hard. And we're in the middle of winter. Um, But this word here, it's this idea of green, luscious grass. This is what the sheep needs. And the shepherd also leads the sheep beside still waters. Not that the sheep has to try to drink from a a rushing stream or river, but the sheep can easily drink because the waters are still. The shepherd provides the needs for his sheep. A few chapters later in in Psalm 37, David writes in in verse 25, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. 
Just another place where David reminds us of God's provision in his life and the lives of of others. And we can read throughout the Bible and see this time and time again in David's life. God is providing for him. David's on the run. One example that I think of is in 1 Samuel 21, where Ahimelech gives bread to David and his men. David is testifying to the Lord's faithful provision. Brothers and sisters, we too can trust in God's provision in our lives, can't we? How often, though, do we, do we strive? Do we toil? Are, are we stressed or anxious about being able to provide for our basic necessities? But no, as sheep, we can and we need to rely on God, our shepherd, to provide. And when he does, we respond in thankfulness. A shepherd provides for his sheep, and they lack no good and necessary thing. As we move on, we see a a second implication. The shepherd leads his sheep to abundant life. We see this in verse 3, where David writes, He restores my soul, or or he restores my life. Now, it's important to contrast this with, with what we've already seen, because so far we've gotten the idea of calmness, peace, everything is well. But we need to keep this truth in mind. He he restores my soul. He restores my life. Because as we keep looking throughout the psalm, we're going to get to the valley of the shadow of death. And then at the end, it seems like there's this triumphant ending. And so this, this contrast is interesting. We see the shepherd's provision, but we see the shepherd leads his sheep to abundant life. And in this psalm, that is through the valley of the shadow of death. As we keep reading, we see in the second part of verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, this, this path of righteousness, we might automatically think of righteousness like the, the character quality, the attribute But the idea here seems to be more that he leads me on the right or the correct path. He leads me in the correct path. Why is that important to remember? Well, because the path will lead through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know about you, but I think for a lot of us, our instinct is when life gets hard, we think we must have done something wrong. And so for a sheep to walk through this valley, the, the first thought is, this is the wrong path. This, what is going on? I must have turned off wrong somewhere. But the psalm reminds us, no, this is the right path. This is the correct path. This is the path that the shepherd is leading on for his name's sake. And then David writes that even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, He will fear no evil. Why? Why can David walk through this without fear? Because God is with him. We get to this central idea. The Lord is with him. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but so often as we walk through life, we encounter challenging circumstances. Our, our default must be 
is sometimes I must be doing something wrong. I must have turned the wrong way. But we're going to see how God shepherds us to and through those situations for his namesake and for our good. And sometimes the path, sometimes how he leads us is through the valley of the shadow of death. But we can even look at David's words in in verse 4. He says, you are with me. He also says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Think about what David is communicating here. Uh, A shepherd's staff could be used to protect the sheep from outside dangers, from wild beasts. But the, the rod and the staff are not just used for protection from outside dangers, but also to, to guide, to shepherd the sheep. The shepherd knows the right direction and gently prods the sheep in that direction. Now, hopefully the sheep follows that guidance and, and goes along. But if the sheep starts to veer off, if the sheep rebels, that, that prodding becomes more, more firm, more stern. And so this idea of, of a rod and a staff could even be a means of discipline. Does that seem strange to you that, that David calls that a comfort? Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me? Even when it's hard, even when it's a, if it, it's a means of, of God's discipline in our lives? Well, a lot of us guys are, have been going through Hebrews, and I think it was last week we were in Hebrews 12, and Hebrews 12, verse 6 is quoting Proverbs 3, a wisdom that, that David would have been familiar with. Um, it, it's quoting Proverbs 3 and says, For the Lord corrects or disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. A few verses later in Hebrews 12, we read in verse 11, that for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is a hard perspective to have, isn't it? Do we see God's guidance through discipline? Do we see this as evidence of his love towards us? If we, if we trust him as our shepherd then we, like David, can be comforted as he leads us, even through discipline. In verse 5, as we move on, we see this, this this picture of triumph. The Lord is hosting David, preparing a feast, honoring him by anointing his head with oil, all as he stands over his enemies. He walked through this, this dark valley and, and now has conquered his enemies by the Lord's strength. And then moving on to verse 6, we see this idea, this idea of restored life. Verse 6 mentions all the days of his life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, for length of days. That's quite a picture. That is a, a long time, to say the least. But what do these days look like? How does David characterize these length of days? Well, he says, surely goodness and mercy. Some of our translations might have mercy. Um, as Pastor Andrew mentioned, this, this word is, is the word chesed for steadfast covenant, this loyal love, this covenantal love that God shows towards his people. 
And this is how their days are marked. The days are marked by goodness and steadfast love. To the point that these, these attributes follow the person. This reminds me of uh, one of my first memories here at Maranatha about two years ago. Uh, I think the first thing I did was uh, participate in underground church with the youth group. Uh, this is actually where I met Ethan. Um, and I was one of the bad guys chasing people, pursuing the teens. Uh, and this is the word we have here, this, this idea of goodness and steadfast love chasing or pursuing. Normally, we hear it in a very negative context. You don't want to get chased. You, if, some, if someone or something is chasing you, that, that's normally a very bad sign. But here, this is the best thing to be chased by. This is amazing. God's goodness and his steadfast love. It's almost an aggressive word. It's pursuing us all the days of our life. That is what David writes. Surely goodness and steadfast love shall pursue me all the days of my life. That is an intense word to use. This is the abundant life that David describes in Psalm 23. God being with his sheep, God guiding and prodding them, leading them even through challenges, but leading them to abundant life because of his steadfast love that is, that is marking his shepherding care. And so with, with the rest of our, our time, we want to keep talking about this but answer this question that we've been looking at the last few weeks. How does this psalm point to the Messiah? How does the psalm point us to the Messiah? And first of all, we're going to talk about how God promises that his Messiah will shepherd his people. And so we're going to see, look at one of those, pro excuse me, we're going to look at one of those promises. And then we're going to be talking about how the Messiah actually is the clearest display of God's steadfast love. Earlier we read 1 John 4, which reminds of us of that. In this, the love of God is showed or, or manifested among us, that God sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. That is the clearest depiction of God's steadfast love. And then we're going to see how, how God's love leads us through Challenge to actually look like his Messiah. And so as we keep talking today, I want you to keep these, these three ideas in, in your mind. This is how, we, how the psalm points us to the Messiah. God promises that his Messiah will be a shepherd to his people. The Messiah actually is the clearest display of God's love, and God's love leads his people to look like the Messiah. So we, here's our next point. The Lord sends his Messiah to shepherd his people. One of the places we see this is in Ezekiel 34. In verse 14, God says, I will feed them with good pasture. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. But a few verses later, in verse, verses 23 and 24, God writes, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be their ruler among them. 
I am the Lord, I have spoken. Now, when Ezekiel, when this was written, David is long gone. And what we realize in the context is this is actually talking about David's son, the future Messiah, the king who will come from the line of David. This second set of verses is talking about the Messiah. This Messiah will shepherd and rule God's people. And then as we fast forward to the New Testament, we, we see that Jesus comes onto the scene and he fulfills these promises in Ezekiel and he gives us a clear picture of what we've been seeing in Psalm 23. In John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd that you have been waiting for. And he goes on to say, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is how Jesus describes his shepherding ministry for his people. It's marked by his sacrifice, by the sacrifice of his life. A few verses later, he, Jesus tells his disciples that, that the Father's love for Jesus is actually driving him to the cross to lay down his life so that he may take it up again. He says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. God the Father leads Jesus to and through his suffering and his death on the cross. We saw a glimpse of this last week uh, in Psalm 22 that, that was pointing us forward to that moment. Jesus follows his father's sacrifice and he endures the cross for the joy that was set before him, as Hebrews 12 tells us. He could see past the cross to the brothers and sisters that he would claim as his own. If you know Jesus, brothers and sisters, that is you and me. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. This is who our Messiah, who is our shepherd, this is who he is. This is Jesus. And the, the serious, the, the somber and joyful reality is that as we look to Jesus and his sacrifice, we see that as we follow our shepherd who suffered, he will so often lead us through challenging circumstances. He will lead us through suffering. He will often lead us to sacrifice. And, and this is what we see. Jesus shepherds us to and through sacrifice and suffering. Jesus' disciples are, are a good example of this. I think of Acts 5, 41. They're arrested uh, presented before the council, and, and then in verse 41, it says, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Quite the perspective, isn't it? But Paul shares that same mentality. In Colossians 1, verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Not only uh, do Peter and, and Jesus' disciples, not only does Paul have this perspective, but they call believers, all believers, including us, to grow in this same mentality. 
Paul writes in Philippians 1, verse 29, he says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes in chapter 3, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Peter joins in, and in 1 Peter 4, he says, But in, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Sacrifice and suffering should be normal for the follower of, of Jesus. But, but why? And, and how do we walk through that in a way that, that demonstrates that, that Jesus is our shepherd, that, that we are his sheep? Well, let's go back to this, this main idea uh, that we started with off at the beginning. We, we saw in chapter, in Psalm 23, that as the good shepherd, the Lord shows his steadfast love to his sheep by being with them and leading them to fulfill his purposes for them. So first, our shepherd is with us. He is with us. And, and if he is enough for us, then we don't need anything else. Can we give up the securities in this life? Can we give up comfort? Can we give up the, thing, the things that we think we need? So often we can experience God's presence in, in such a powerful way when these things are stripped away. We remember that, that God is with us through it all, that, that he provides for our needs, and when we're lacking, we can trust that he is even doing that for his purposes and, and for our good. Because another thing we see is, is that the goal, the end of God's love, is accomplished through these trials. Do you, do you realize that? That God is actually growing us, maturing us, making us look like the shepherd who suffered on our behalf through these challenging situations. Just a few verses that, that I often find comforting that we, that we see. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. It, Peter reminds us that we rejoice in Jesus, our living hope, and the future inheritance that we have in him. Though now for a little while, if, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Any suffering that God uses in our life will allow us to know and enjoy and praise Jesus more. Is that worth it? Another familiar passage for a lot of us is, is Romans 8, 28 and 29. Paul writes, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God is, is showing us what his, this love is directed towards, what it accomplishes in our life. It makes us more like Christ. And so as, as we walk through challenging situations, how would that influence our perspective? Knowing that 
our shepherd who suffered on our behalf, suffered for our sakes, and he is with us, but we are also becoming more like him through those moments. If we are going to become like Christ, our shepherd, how is that going to happen other than to suffer like him? We are conformed to look like him by suffering like him. Now, some of us are or have walked through very challenging seasons of suffering. Oftentimes, this, these same truths apply to even the minor inconveniences of our everyday life, where we realize God is in control. God can take this situation that I don't like, that I want to choose, to make me more patient like his son. If that is our perspective going through life, how, how would that shape the way we follow our shepherd day in and day out? How would, how would that shape the way we, we use God's word to guide us, to allow us to make decisions as, as we live life seeking to become more like Christ? This, this truth that God's steadfast love shows up in God's presence and the reality that he's using situations in our life to accomplish his purposes, this can embolden us not only as we walk through suffering, but also to step into seasons of sacrifice willingly. What would that look like? A few uh, weeks ago, I was talking to someone um, who was reflecting on the missions conference a couple months ago, and he said, you know, I, I was convicted during the conference that I sacrifice, but I don't sacrifice nearly enough. And that's just stuck with me for these last few weeks. What does that look like? God, how, how might you be leading me to step into a greater sacrifice, oftentimes for the sake of one another? Because as we've been talking about Psalm 23 today, a lot of it has been really, really focused on us personally as sheep as we follow our shepherd. But we don't want to forget that we are one of many sheep. Jesus has sheep all over the world. He has flocks all over the world. And at the same time, he has this very flock. This is a flock, Maranatha. And so often, as, as we're one of, of many sheep, God can lead us to sacrifice for the sake of one another. He can even lead us to be inconvenienced for the sake of the flock. What does that look like where if, if we're looking as sheep, if we're looking for God, our shepherd, to, to lead us into situations where we can actually be inconvenienced for the sake of each other? It is a, a challenging task for sure, but one we can walk into confidently if we know that God is with us and we know that he will use these situations to make us more like Christ. How can we embrace inconvenience for the sake of each other? And just one final thing as we're starting to wrap up that I, I want us to think about is, 
is then how can we surround each other and, and just be present with one another when we're walking through challenging times, when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. David reminds us that God was with him. God will be with us. But one of the sweet things is, is that God so often uses his other sheep to surround each other during these times, to, to follow him, not as a single sheep, but together, together. To do this, we have to be confident of God's steadfast love. We must be confidence, confident that God is present with us and that he, in his steadfast love, is, is shaping us through the circumstances that he leads us to. That, that leads us to step into these situations, to not know what God is doing, but to trust that he is using it for his name's sake and, and for our good, to look more like this shepherd. And so as we wrap things up today, I just want to pray for us that, that God's spirit would shape our hearts in this way and, and grow us as a body in this way. Father, we thank you uh, for the privilege it is to gather as a flock, uh, to be together this morning. Um, God, and we're just um, around your word, and we thank you uh, for your son Jesus, who is our shepherd. Uh, we thank you for how you lead us through your word. Father, and I just ask that today we would be reminded of your steadfast love for your people. That if we've never received Jesus and his steadfast love, that today you might call us to yourself to embrace Jesus, your son, as our king and as our savior. But Father, I, I pray that if we have, that we would just consider it a joy and a privilege to follow your son each and every day. Um, through each and every situation, uh, that we would seek, um, that we would be reminded of your presence with us, um, and that we would trust that you are accomplishing your purposes in us. We pray these things in, in his name and by your spirit. Amen.